Hi, Sarish. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I want to start by asking, where are you from and where do you live now? I'm from Bradford in England, and that's where I was born, and that's where I still am. I'm a little bit boring. So I, Bradford is in the, nor- in the north of England, so about three hours away from London. But it's a cool place. It's home. So yeah, that's where I'm from. And what's your favorite <laughs> place to be at, like your happy place? I'm happy in my dressing gown, with a cup of tea, curled up in front of the fire because it's always cold in England, with a good book. So that is definitely my happy place where I don't have to worry about, you know, answering the door or answering the <laughs> phone and just being left alone to kind of, <laughs> yeah. You know, if it was always sunny and warm here, I think um, I'd love to be outdoors more, but it's just cold all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I'm at my happiest. Unbothered. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, you never know what the weather's going to be like. The other day, actually, we had snow and hailstone and wind and sun, like all four seasons <laughs> in one day. So it's Lucky like, you. <laughs> how do I dress? Like what? Yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm dressed for spring, but it's actually winter at the moment, but it might be summer by afternoon. So I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> If you could live in a different time, what time period would you pick? Ooh, oh, there's so many. It's really, I was having a conversation today, actually, with a work colleague who was talking about the ancient Egyptian period being their favorite period of history. So maybe I'd go back there and check it all out and see how they, what they got up to with um, the pyramids and the mummifying and all that kind of stuff. That would be quite cool. Or maybe dinosaurs. You know, I love dinosaurs. I'd love to go and check that out too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> As a dinosaur? No, I want to observe them, but I probably wouldn't last very long. I'd probably get eaten by T-Rex <laughs> or something. So maybe I'd have to think about that. That's a difficult decision. <laughs> What's something that you're really proud of? I think it's going to be pretty obvious if I say my book, but to be honest, I love my book. My book is my baby. You know, <laughs> I'm not married. I don't have children yet. So, um, yeah, my book is my baby. And honestly, sometimes I think, you know, talking to other writers and authors, just the journey that you get to that finished product of the book, actually having it in your hands. You know, there's so many people who never actually finish writing a book. So just the fact that I finished it is like, yes, I actually got to that part as well. And then you know, um, I was very blessed and it actually got published and people are reading it such as yourself. So I'm going to be really obvious and say my book. But well, it is a know. big thing. Not everybody <laughs> gets published like you said. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> On the reverse, is there anything in the world that you would like to remove? I'm going to be like safe and say, no, I'm happy with all my dumb mistakes and everything. <laughs> I'd like to keep it all in. I could say I'd, I'd like to remove the cold weather. Maybe I could be born in um, somewhere a bit warmer climate with palm trees, that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe I'd swap. But then probably not as well because I wouldn't be the person I am. This is yeah. getting very philosophical, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Everything plays a role in where we are. It does, it does. And I suppose part of my book is I'm all about not just racial but like regional diversity as well because... UK publishing is very London-centric and stories from the North are not really heard. So the North is almost like a character in my book. It has its own role. So mm-hmm. that if I didn't have that, if I grew up with palm trees and the beach nearby, maybe it wouldn't quite have the same effect or the same appeal. So 
Fantastic. When you say the Lord, all I think of is Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. It sounds very good. <laughs> yeah, there's some dragons flying around here. We all dress like Vikings when we step outside. Honestly, we do. You should come over. <laughs> Are you a full-time writer? I am not a full-time writer. So I teach at university. Recently, actually, I've started teaching creative writing at university. Um, and that's the university where I studied as well and did my master's and my PhD. So I'm currently working with first year creative writing students, which is a lot of fun. That was kind of my aspiration, you know, to be able to give back. But I also work at the hospital as a healthcare assistant in ultrasound, which is completely different to my field and what I do. But it was like my part time job as I was studying. And I've just kind of stayed there. It's kind of kept me rooted in reality and the real world. So I've been walking around with my head in the clouds with you in academia and writing this imaginary stories and that kind of thing. I teach part-time, I write part-time, and I work at the hospital part-time. So I'm quite a busy bee, I would say. And what's the best part about being a writer for you? It's just hearing from readers. It really is. That's the best part. And I don't think he'll ever get old. I receive so many messages, I get tagged in some reviews, and I think Instagram is amazing for that. You hear directly from people, and people from all over the world, which is something that I didn't honestly expect, but just people saying that they read your book and it resonated with them. You know, they could see themselves reflected in the characters and their family members, and particularly, you know, as uh, as a Muslim. For me, it was really important to see myself represented in literature, and when other people tell me that my book helped them feel represented that's really really special so it's it kind of all the kind of editing and the hard work the years of sort of slaving away it just it's worthwhile when you hear from people it really is for me yeah it is. and instagram is great for that i like pretty pictures so for me it's just that but i can imagine if i wrote a book and somebody was putting all that work into how great it would be it, it really is amazing and you're completely right about the pretty pictures the pictures are amazing and especially when they're kind of in different landscapes and you can recognize that this is abroad from, you know, a different country. And yeah, I have stolen a few pictures <laughs> for my own <laughs> personal collection. <laughs> but yeah. I don't the, think people would mind since you are I, yeah, yeah, I don't think they would. <laughs> what would you say is the hardest thing about living the life of a writer? It is kind of the isolation, I would say. Because a writing life is a solitary life in the sense it is for a lot of the time it's just you alone in a room writing and trying to get all this stuff that's in your mind out onto a paper. And, and that can be really challenging at times. You're constantly living with these characters. So even when you're washing the dishes and you're hanging out, you're watching, you know, you're thinking, you're having conversations in your, your own mind. But just the inability sometimes as well, where a scene is in your mind or you have a storyline or a plot subplot and it's perfectly formed in your mind but getting it out onto the page is so challenging sometimes you can just sit in front of a screen for hours and hours and days and you know nothing might happen so it's definitely not a case of oh I'm a writer so I can just sit here and I can just start writing and it's as straightforward as that it's definitely not it's very very complicated and there's a lot of internal sort of battles and struggles that you go through in order to get to that finished product it's worth it, of course, in the end. <laughs> but yeah, getting to the end goal is uh, complicated at times. And you do need a lot of discipline to be a writer. Do you follow a routine? 
I work best in the morning, so I'm out of bed six, seven o'clock, and I like to just jump straight onto the laptop, like with a cup of tea and nothing else, because I'm just so optimal at that time. And I try to write till about 12 o'clock, and then I'll go off and do other boring life stuff, like household chores and cooking and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think I have like an end goal, like so if I can get a thousand, two thousand words done, anything else is like a bonus. So if I do come back to it later on in the evening, then that's perfect. But I really do feel like so if I miss that window in the morning, I'm not going to get anything written. That's kind of like my little witching hour, the special time of the day. I am a morning person, you know, I know that's weird. <laughs> Some people are like, I'm not a morning person. I love getting up in the morning and getting my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I want to be a morning person because on some days when I've somehow woken up early, I get so much more done in the day. Mm-hmm. But my mornings are just so hard. Like it takes me so long to climb out of bed and just like <laughs> normal human. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have those days as well. I, I don't like jump out of bed like <laughs> sprightly and ready Whenever to take anyone says I'm a morning person, that's what I picture. Like they yeah. just jump out of bed. <laughs> they're, they're just over enthusiastic and so excited <laughs> to get started with the day. I think the yeah. prospect of food or like breakfast is like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I already have it planned. You know? like, <laughs> that's probably what it is. That's why I'm a morning person. <laughs> the food. <laughs> Since you are an author, I have to ask a book-related question. What are your all-time favorite books? As soon as anyone says book, favorite author, right? Like, first person that comes to mind is James Baldwin, who is my absolute hero. And his book, The Fire Next Time, it's a non-fiction and it's a letter. It starts basically with a letter to his nephew. And obviously he was a prominent African-American writer who wrote during the Civil Rights Movement. I think just the power of words, everything you need to know about just how powerful words can be are, are in that book. I also am a fan of Rohinton Mystery and his novel A Fine Balance. You're probably thinking, oh, she's a bit gloomy, like she likes all these really depressing books, but I really do. Um, and that's about a 600-page novel, and it's about India and emergency in 1975, the emergency socioeconomic disparities and the injustice against people from lower caste is kind of like a big epic sprawling saga kind of a little bit similar to to what i've written and then i'm, I'm trying to think of a happier book i need to think of a happy book i don't think i can think of one gosh okay I'll, another depressing one i'm gonna go with the kite runner by carly the stadium which i know is controversial When I read that book, I thought, this is what I want to do. If I could make people feel the way this book has made me feel, that would be absolutely incredible. So that kind of inspired me to write, really. So so it'll always hold a kind of special place in my heart. I'd pick those three depressing books to go and live on an island somewhere. (laughs) That would be very helpful. That's going to be a depressing stay. (laughs) In the end, if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, what would you tell us? One thing that I did, I lived abroad for six months. I went to live in Portugal oh, wow. when I did an exchange program. So that was really cool because I was only about 20 at the time. And obviously I'm from a South Asian background, I'm from a Pakistani background. So it's quite a big deal for my parents to let me go, you know, <laughs> <I> um, know. <laughs> and live alone. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, you know, so it was really cool. I went with a, a friend, another student, and we both shared a little two-bedroom little flat together. 
And yes, I studied in Porto, in Portugal, oh. which is the second largest city there, so after Lisbon. It, that was an incredible experience. It was kind of like a little time period that I remember fondly as being just for me. I did that just for me and I was able to go there and just think about myself and just be selfish <laughs> and enjoy myself. That sounds like a great experience. I've been to Porto for like a few days on a trip, but yeah, six months there sounds magical. Yeah, it is. And honestly, because I, I visited Lisbon as well whilst I was there, but I couldn't wait to get back to Porto. I thought it was a beautiful place. Thank you so much for answering all my questions. And now I want to talk about your book, The Family Tree. I have seen that a lot on Instagram lately. I want to know more about it. Why did you write this book? And what is the book about? So the book, it's, it's a contemporary family drama. It's about a British cousin family who live in the north of England, in, as I keep going on about the north and Game of Thrones. Not quite <laughs> as grim as that, a bit grim, a bit dull. But it's, yeah, it's about a widowed father and his two children, and we follow this family over three decades. They go through multiple events, sort of political events, personal events, tragic events, that kind of send the family off into different directions. So the book follows how the family kind of find their way back to each other, to the roots, to where they belong. You know, again, I always say I would be lying if I said I didn't write the book if there wasn't some frustration that caused me in a bit of anger to write the book because I was kind of fed up with, you know, negative Muslim representation, constant negative Muslim representation. And I just wanted to write something that reflected my life, family and people that I grew up around. I never felt like there'd been a book written for me or with people like me in mind. So, yeah, that that's what propelled me to, to finish writing this book. And did you use your own life for inspiration for characters and story? I did. Um, there's a lot of, I know my relatives and family have read the book and said, oh, this was inspired by that bit when this happened and that happened. <laughs> this is so such and such person. I think you accumulate all this life experience and I have put it into the book. The actual storyline is completely made up, but there are definitely, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of myself in all the characters. It's natural as a writer to kind of insert all that stuff in there. It comes naturally, yeah. I think it's great that you wrote this book. I always advocate for representation in literature because I personally feel it's missing a lot. So congratulations on your book again. If our listeners want to buy it, where can they do that? In the UK, it's available at Waterstones, all the indie bookshops, but it's, it's, around, it's available on Amazon and that monster that we're not supposed to mention <laughs> but on it's available widely online in on, online bookstores so hopefully I have had readers from America as well uh, I had a lady from New Orleans it was at her lo local bookshop so it might actually just be at your local bookshop if it is and please take a picture and send it to me <laughs> I'd love to see it out in the wild <laughs> and are you working on another book right now I am yes I'm writing my second book I'm trying to finish my second book and that's about a kind of an, an unlikely friendship story, if you like, about a grandfather and a granddaughter. Um, oh, it's kind of inspired by so the partition of India, which happened in 1947, which is a very okay, bloody traumatic. I'm already Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am from Punjab. So I partition is from India. That, yes. But partition is something Mars. that like you know, stays with us. Of course. And I think there's not enough literature exploring those stories. And when there is, I think it follows a very distinct pattern. So I think uh, you have the kind of star-crossed lovers from 
either side. You have the upstairs, downstairs, what's happening politically and what the, the what's happening with a common man. And then, or you'll have like a group of friends who from different backgrounds who then, you know, suddenly start killing each other. It follows a very distinct pattern. So the angle that I'm kind of coming at it is it's set in England in 2017. You have a man, an elderly Asian man, and he starts having a sort of violent flashbacks of partition and what happened and what he experienced. But he was a child. So I think. The kind of the accounts that children have are very different to the accounts that adults have because for children, everybody looks the same because we, we were all the same. <laughs> you know, everybody looks the same. You don't know what side you're on. Suddenly it's a very naive viewpoint, but a very poignant viewpoint, if that makes sense. Because I do want to explore the legacy of that. His character, his granddaughter barely knows anything about it. So yeah, I'm trying to explore the legacy as well as the actual event by setting it in sort of modern day England. I read another book called The Night Diary. It's supposed to be a children's book. It is set in the time when partition was happening. So like in that July, August time frame in that year. And you see everything from point of view of a young girl. I remember that because you said children see it very differently and I really like that book. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's, there's another book called Ice Candyman which is told through the viewpoint of a Farsi girl. That's very interesting because she's not Hindu or Muslim or Sikh. She's kind of an outsider, if you like, and she's a child. So her viewpoint, again, it, it's just a new light on everything. Uh, and it's a really interesting sort of viewpoint to explore that event from. That's kind of, yeah, well, that's what I'm working on. All the best with the book. I'm already a customer for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. And before we end our talk today, is there anything you want to say to our listeners? I would like to say, if anybody has read the book, you know, just thank you so much. You know, you work for years and years and years on something that it might never see the light of day. You could slave away for years and dedicate all this time and energy and no one might ever see it. And even when it does get published, no one might read it. There's so many books published. That kind of engagement between readers and writers is essential. I, you know, I think for a book to be complete, you need both the reader and the writer. And when they come together, that's when the story is complete. So thank you for all the support. Thank you for being readers, especially in today's technological age where you might as well just sit and chill and watch Netflix instead. <laughs> so yeah, just keep reading everybody. And um, yeah, on, I'll say on behalf of authors everywhere, just thank you so much for being readers and for the support. It's, it means a lot. It really does. You're welcome on behalf of all the readers. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again, Sarich, for being a guest today. And it was so great talking to you. Listeners, do check out The Family Tree and follow Sarish on Instagram for more updates. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!